Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here, and thanks for tuning into the How We Solve podcast. Today, I have with me Kelly Thornton, the founder and CEO of Teach Henley. I just learned how to say that correctly. A high-growth direct-to-consumer men's skincare company. Kelly, welcome to the show. Hey, GQ. How are you? I am doing good. We were just catching up prior to this show. We're just chatting a little bit about how Teach Henley, how the name came about, and also, of course, the right way to say it. And so if you could just share that with our listeners again, I thought that was a really interesting piece of information to know. Yeah, you know, I love the name. I grabbed the name out of our family Bible. It's from the 1400s, 1600s, way back when. Literally a family tree written by hand with uh, Teach Hanley's name in it. And Hanley was a surname and Teach was the first name. So I was just telling you or thinking about the fact that I don't think we actually pronounce it in the Gaelic language, which it is from ancient Irish language. I don't think we actually pronounce it correctly. I'm going to stay with Tish Handling. That's what we've been the last five years and it's worked well for us. So that's what we, we are Tish Handling on complicated skincare for men. All right. I love it. So you've heard it from Kelly, Tish Handling. That's how it's said. <laughs> we'll make that real. Like I was sharing with you, the How Is Up podcast, we focus on a key challenge that we talk about. And that is, in this case, what we're going to be talking about today is how Tish Handling as a brand has made skincare uncomplicated for men. So just so our listeners have a good idea of what Teen Channeling is all about, if you could give us a quick elevated pitch of, you know, of your brand. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we are a direct consumer, uh, high growth disruptor, men's skincare company located in Chicago, Illinois. We sell our product and ship our product to 108 countries every month. So all around the world, we make simplified skincare systems. So we sell some very basic skincare systems that includes a wash and a moisturizer because we believe at the very very least a guy should, needs to wash his face with something that's made for his face, not other parts of his body, and very least put a moisturizer on every day that has an SPF to prevent melanoma, skin harmful, harmful rays of the sun. And then we make a couple other kits. We make a, a skincare system level one, which has a couple other products and a level two, three, which are more anti-aging focused skincare system. So it's a very simple system. We tell you exactly how to use it, when to use it, you know, within a couple minutes every day, you can treat your body the way women have known for a long time that they should, should be treated, which is put stuff on your face to help you, you know, your skin look younger and protect you from the sun. That's what we do. Yeah, I, I love that because, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of us like, you know, like for, for guys, like we don't necessarily realize this. We just think like, OK, water is enough or, you know, just like so I, for myself, I, I just use like water or like sometimes it did like in the beginning, you buy all this like Nivea, um, like facial care stuff, like the basic stuff. Right. Because I, I grew up in Singapore where it's super hot. It's, you know, humid and you just, you know, you just kind of got into the whole culture. And I think in, you see that in Asia, facial skincare is kind of growing. But, you know, mo- I think most guys don't really know about how they should look after themselves anyway. Right. Well, you know, women have known this for a long, long time. You know, it's not a myth, right? I mean, there's a reason why, there's a reason why women have understood that taking care of your skin is like really an important thing because, you know, the the impact of taking care of your skin over many, many years is 
does help you feel good about yourself, look younger, and really just like, you know, how we feel about ourselves is really important as individuals, right? We all want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel confident about ourselves. And, and so men are just kind of learning that it's okay. GQ, we just started giving ourselves permission, right, to take care of ourselves. And how have we done that? Well, we've done that because it's okay for a guy to take care of himself, to go to the gym, not only for, you know, for himself, but for his family. If he has a significant other, if he has young children, he needs to take care of himself, right? And it also means he needs to eat right. He needs to take care of what he's putting in his body. So all of these things go hand in hand. We're just part of that conversation. We're part of the conversation about what it means to be a guy today. It's okay to want to take care of yourself. It's okay not to want to look like some old time guy that eats hot dogs every day. And that's okay, right? And so for now, what we've entered in is we've entered in this period in society in general where it's all right to be a man. It's okay for us to take care of themselves. No one's going to call you out on it. We're just riding that wave here at Teach Handley. We're helping guys look and feel amazing every day. I love that. We'll come back to that. We'll talk about the mission behind Teach Handley. But you shared, and I think maybe this kind of my hunch, I, I think this is why Teach Handley was started, but I'd love to hear it from you. Like, you know, what made you decide to start this business? Yeah, you know, I'm a very business focused guy. So looking, identifying a problem, trying to solve that problem, how we solve, plug for a great podcast. <laughs> I mean, part of it was the, the fact that, you know, my wife was saying, hey, you're not looking any younger. Obviously, I'm, I'm challenged in many ways. <laughs> um, so, you know, she wanted me to, uh, to, to be concerned about my skin. Melanoma is a big, is a big, issue. I don't know if you know this, but more men than women get melanoma. And then also melanoma is the number one cancer in the world. Wow. The good news is it's most treatable. Melanoma, for the most part, is, is a treatable cancer. So, you know, I think like the idea of the reason why I started is taking care of my skin and trying to look as good as I could be, although I don't know how I'm doing in that department. And then secondly, a great business idea around, you know, how to help men and <laughs> how to create a DTC disruptor brand in a space where guys were marketed to, in my opinion, incorrectly, you know? I mean, showing me a picture of, of, of Fabio, Fabio with like, or Bruce Lee or, or whoever is, you know, your, your guy with like David Beckham, his shirt off and like sprayed all over his chest. That, that's not going to necessarily get me to buy skincare products because men and women think differently and women are marked to with this concept of parody i want to look as equally great as you know this other this other woman men aren't really like that we're more competitive we're more hunters and focused so you know really just bringing an idea of, of marketing skincare to guys in, in a simplified way we're not about complicated we don't want to spend an hour in our bathroom taking care of ourselves As a matter of fact most guys can have some negative connotations around it, right? They're, they're downstairs having their beer or whatever, waiting to go out with their friends. And they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting because they're significant others spending all this time taking care of themselves. And we, we just don't understand that. Like, come on, honey, let's go. You know, they're waiting for us. You know, you don't need to do all that stuff. Let's just go, you know? And so guys are very simple, right? We just need simplified stuff. That's the need that Teach is trying to solve. When did you start? How many years is it now that you've had this going? I'm sure that since the point that you started till now, a lot has changed along the way. How has that been for that journey for you so far? I mean, it's awesome. One of my friends here at work, his birthday's today. We got a cup of coffee early this morning, just talking about how every day is a challenge. And that's one of the things we love about the business. Every day is, is a new challenge. 
we look at ourselves as modern men in an arena, just fighting the fight every day, trying to go home full of sweat and, and, and exhausted for the day. And that makes a fantastic day. So the business has changed dramatically. You know, we, we did start, we actually are four years old a couple months ago in July. We started actually more than five years ago. We started our, our brand. We failed real quickly and then retooled and relaunched our brand as a subscription brand with our own products. We were selling other people's products originally as a routine. So the business has changed. I mean, I was talking to another gentleman this morning about the digital landscape. He's been in digital space for 20 years, which seems like a lifetime in a a segment of uh, the economy that's really relatively new. Things change dramatically over four years. They're so different than they were just four little years ago. Yep, definitely, definitely. And I think one of the biggest things that has shaped this transformation, or at least in my opinion, has propelled a lot of changes this year, you know, where I'm going with this, is how COVID has impacted all e-commerce in general, right? So what have you seen with your business and how do you think COVID will impact, like influence businesses, you know, till 2021? Yeah, well, generally speaking, COVID has been a positive thing for Teach. We've been very successful. You know, as many other DTCs or just commerce companies in general, or companies that have been able to pivot e-commerce, COVID has been has been a positive influence on us. Obviously, the experience in general is is not, but in terms of business, the other thing is though it has driven a tremendous amount of uncertainty in business. Right, that veil of uncertainty is really challenging. I think for business leaders, go it goes slightly beyond. COVID, you know, here in the U.S., political uncertainty and political challenges, uh, social challenges plays a huge role. In other parts of the world, they've they've experienced these things before, uh, whether it's social unrest or political unrest. It is, you know, it's influencing what's going on in, in the minds of business people, you know, in the U.S. So that just uncertainty and what's going on that's brought about by COVID is a very, very challenging thing for business owners. And it really, the way it manifests itself in businesses like Teach or business like Teach is, you know, really trying to understand how people are, individuals, people that work for us, plus our customers, how are they doing economically? How are they doing mentally? Are they coping with this? And uh, are they not? Are they struggling? As a company, how can we do our best to help our company first and our team members you know, really get through COVID, it's it's a challenge. Just so we have a good idea, what's your team members right now? Are they all based remotely as well because of COVID? Or are they, you know, are they going back to the office now, kind of like a mix? Well, actually, we have a mix. We have a hybrid model. So our hybrid model, we have Tuesday, Thursday crowd and a Monday, Wednesday crowd. So we have two different groups. People uh, tell us when they're going to be in the office. And we have about... 25 to 30 percent of our team comes in each one of the days. Um, then we have only a Friday crowd. So our Friday team, there are made up of people that are very hyper vigilant about COVID. Maybe they have a, a family member at home, or maybe they themselves have some health concerns. So um, we have we have a very isolated team, and of course we're social distancing, wearing our masks all the time in our office. I have to be in a closed conference room right now. We have made our company makes a hand sanitizer. So we have hand sanitizer throughout the office on every desk. You know, we're trying to have a hybrid model and it's very fluid. We have an app that allows people to, to every morning to log in and say what their health condition is. It's very fluid. 
people that have either a roommate or someone, a, a child or somebody that has gotten COVID, the Tuesday, Thursday crowd gets shut down. Then they're not really active. So all of this stuff goes on. Yeah. So the reason why I asked about, thanks for sharing that, by the way. I think this is a really good insight for people to figure out if, they, you know, if they're having face-to-face meetings with your colleagues. This is the system you could try, as Kelly has shared. The other aspect of that as well, as you mentioned, and I really love that you mentioned this, being a company or people first business, right? You know, caring, not just, you know, caring about your customers, obviously that's really important, but also your own people. And I think one of the things that people are seeing now is that with more people working from home for an extended period of time and with their kids studying at home as well, it's taken a really strong, like it's taken a huge toll on people that is kind of affecting their mental health, stress levels. What are some of the things that, you know, that, that teach my, like, have you, like, what are you seeing on your end? How are you maybe helping with that as a business? Because I think this would be really helpful for other businesses to emulate as well. Yeah, I'm seeing it every day, every day, every conversation. I'll give you two examples. One, I was speaking to a gentleman who is, runs Global Growth for a massive food company. It's a name that we all are familiar with worldwide. He's been working from home. Uh, He does live in downtown Chicago. His physical space was adequate for him and his spouse and his two children. Both spouses were out of the office working and the children were in school. Now their physical space is not, it doesn't work for them. They just cannot function properly, both working from their physical home and managing children at the same time. Those are real, real, real world challenges that people have. It's not just him. That's pretty much replicated across, especially when you have both spouses working full-time and working from home. It's an extremely challenging situation. Physicality of the space doesn't work. That amount of time being together is a lot of pressure on the family unit or in the home unit, I should say. That's situation number one. Situation number two, or example number two, is I was speaking to a woman yesterday that lives and works in Manhattan and interested in recruiting her for to work with, with T. Shanley. She was explaining to me that her company has already announced that they will not have anybody in the office. They have a 300-person firm until uh, July of 2021. And she has a lot of physical aspects of, I, I don't want to say exactly what she does, but she has a lot, a lot of things that a lot of samples and things that she has that are required to do her job. And she lives in a single you know, studio apartment in Manhattan, turned her whole, you know, half of her living space into a workspace. And literally, when I told her that we, are, we have a hybrid model trying the best we can, you know, to bring people in, that was actually a very appealing, appealing aspect of potentially working at T. Shanley versus her current situation, which she's just struggling mightily. And she may love the company totally. but And she also described to me how difficult it is to have collaboration, you know, with other people. So these are really challenging things for companies. You know, on one hand, you want to protect your your employees and, and you want to let them know what's going on. So you say, we're not even bringing people into the office until next July. On the other hand, there's physical space limitations and there's mental health limitations to people working in their in their environment. And a lot of people miss coming into work. Our staff wanted to come back to the office. We're not doing it because, you know, this is my what I want to do. Our staff wanted to see each other a little more frequently. That's why we're doing it. 
That has been really helpful to think about as well, because like for, for our setup at LTV Plus, we're completely remote and we do see that. And so we one of the things that we did earlier this year was to organize a, well, <laughs> as COVID, COVID safe as possible in one of our locations where we had a few people come together and have like a bit of a team retreat of sorts, like to hang out and stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously, this was a more uh, lower season, but I think it's just really, it's impossible for you to replicate that closeness I don't know how to put it, an intangible thing. When you're face-to-face, you can get so much more things done and you have that bond and relationship with your colleagues that remote just will not cut it if you were to just be remote for the rest of the year. And you know, your business require your work requires you to kind of use the space of your or of the company you're working at, like a studio apartment's not gonna fly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is pretty crazy. Anyway, I just wanted to dig into that a little bit. I know it's not the, the key crux, but it's really interesting to hear what other businesses are doing. I just wanna go back to an important point which you reiterated, the health of, of the individual is, is, a, is a very personal thing, right? We all are responsible with our own health. This also goes into what you and I were speaking about, GQ, about men's ability to, or men's desire to, be, to take care of their, of their personal health and that it's okay to want to think that way. And your physical health, and everybody has different concerns about their health. Every, you know, people have are in a completely different state of mind with how they're dealing with COVID. And so we as a company, we have to respect that. You know, we have to respect, we're not here to impose necessarily the company's philosophy about how one should take care of themselves when it comes to employees' decisions about working in and out of the office. We want to offer, um, provide the flexibility and offer options for people depending on where they are. And we're not going to be, we're not judging any employees for how they feel about their personal self. That is, that is a very personal thing that is that everybody's responsible for their own individual health. That is very true. And in fact, coming back to, you know, what, what Teach Henley is all about, I was going, well, you know, I've been checking out your YouTube channel quite a bit. And obviously, it's a really great resource. So for listeners, if you don't have any, any idea where to start with looking out for yourself in terms of looking out for your skin, check out Teach Henley's YouTube. It's fantastic. They have a lot of information there. When you talk about simplifying skincare for men, would you say that a lot of it also goes into the education of it, right? And so on that point, how has your YouTube channel or, or even other aspects of your content marketing helped in the education and obviously the adoption of, of men using skincare products? Yeah, I mean, YouTube's been phenomenal for that. There's a huge educational piece to it. YouTube's a great platform for us to, to talk about education, to help guys understand you know, that other guys are doing it, how they're doing it, why they're doing it. The uh, longer form you know, platform of YouTube really helps that. And it helps us, you know, Teach Hanley, we create a lot of content. We believe in, in helping guys look and feel amazing and be part of their skincare journey. So creating content, putting on YouTube for, to give guys tools that they need to be successful is really important to us. All right. And this goes to my next question. And that is, when you mentioned about how Teach Henley was started, I really love what, what the, uh, the idea, where it came from. Sharing this with other business owners, other entrepreneurs. Now, do you think it's very important for the business to be influenced by the causes that they support today? Man, I, I love that question, GQ. I tell you, it is very, very, very important. But I wouldn't do it just to have a cause. Right. I just don't believe in that. And I don't think like we started, uh, we actually, we actually started without knowing it, that we had a cause. So our cause coming out of the gate was trying to help prevent skin cancer. My partner, Rob Hoxie, his father died young. 
uh, in his 50s with melanoma, which was, you know, just a tragedy. And so I think Rob really um, brought to the table this this notion of how important it is to protect your skin against skin cancer. And we started leaning into that right away by just literally donating, just actually donating cash to Skin Cancer Foundation in New York. So help them with awareness and help them with uh, spreading the concept of doing skin checks. And the more we got down our business path, we realized that you know that was something that was really important to us. So we we have leaned into it a lot, and we don't do donate. We're one of just a few brands that men's skincare brands that are that are recognized by Skin Cancer Foundation as being very efficacious preventing skin cancer. We've done other things here in the city of Chicago, which we're really proud of. I'm using city of Chicago because that's that's where our headquarters are, and, and you know we're giving back to the local communities. We've given to many local communities. We've given our product to, excess product to, to areas of the city that really would be underserved by um, higher-end skincare products. Um, so we've, we've been able to give back there. And then when we launched uh, hand sanitizer in the spring, we were able to uh, donate mass quantities and pallet loads of uh, hand sanitizer to first responders that were really engaged with COVID, particularly the fire department, because those guys were the fires also here in Chicago, in the U.S. in general, is um, tied to ambulance and EMT. So all these guys were first on the scene with everybody related to COVID, moving people in and out of the hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. So, but you got to be, if you don't really truly live it and breathe it, don't think you should do it. To, to be cause integrated and not really, you can't be, you can't be half pregnant, as they say, right? You either are or you are. And consumers are so smart, you know, they can smell it. They can sniff it out so quickly. Either they, they know you're really, it, the cause is something important to you and you take it seriously or, or you just don't. The authenticity of it. I definitely 100% agree with that. Just to kind of put things into perspective for ourselves, like when we started our business too, it's uh, one of the things that we did, well, why we chose remote first was the belief of giving, offering op- job opportunities to people anywhere in the world. As long as you have internet and you have computer and you can work, great, let's get that started. And I think that helped, has helped shape and change people's lives. So thanks for sharing that. That's really awesome that, that you did that and that you're giving back to the community in Chicago. Because I think like, especially with the whole COVID breakout, that's like you guys have really obviously impacted quite a bit what you've mentioned. So that, that's really, really cool. I want to dive real quickly into the current setup for you in terms of customer support. Now you're working, obviously, you know, the demographics that you work with. How has customer support been like for T. Chantley? You know, how has that translated into maybe additional sales? How has that translated into retention? Just like if you could share a little bit about your thoughts around the customer experience for Teach. Yeah. I think it is so core to any any company and especially DTC companies. I think it is so core. I mean, it's almost in the bullseye spot of how important it is to be, you know, if you want to be a successful company, taking care of your customers is really critical. So customer success at Teach is it's a whole focus, a whole discipline within our organization that includes both the concept of customer retention, its branding, and its, and its customer experience in its totality makes up customer success for us. I think it was one thing that we did really well early on. We realized that treating customers the way we wanted to be treated 
as customers was really important. Understand that we live in the Amazon, you know, Alibaba uh, economy. If you want to compete on that level, got to provide phenomenal uh, customer experience. That is so true. And, and the reason why I asked about that was because like some of the guys I've spoken with before that run other types of e-commerce brands, some people do have the concept that at this stage still in 2020, their customer support is kind of like a cost center. It's not something that can, you know, that people don't necessarily see the immediate ROI. But yeah, so this is an audio piece, but like Kelly's shaking his head right now. So CX is so crucial. And I, and I believe that, and, and what you shared just makes so much sense because people are going to remember you. They're going to remember who they've interacted with and from, your, from your end when they purchase your product. How has the whole experience been like? You know, would they want to come back and shop again? Would they want to talk more about brand to other people? And that's kind of like, that's just like your frontliners talk to people every day. Yeah, I talked to a guy this morning. He works for a company that is in the electronic space, like consumer electronics and appliances. I mean, super uber competitive space. He's on the retail side. They're almost like a billion dollar organization. So we're not talking about a small company here. They're an old, you know, an older 50, 80 year organization. And they have a mindset, whatever, saying yes to the customer as long as it's reasonable. And what he said about that was really hit home for me, which is, you know, you can buy electronics like anywhere, right? I mean, you can buy it, whatever, an iPhone or a laptop or a television pretty much anywhere. If you're in that space, how do you, how do you differentiate yourself? And it has to be in the customer experience. I mean, you know, it has to be. I think so really smart disruptor companies and DTC brands, like we get that. We're really close to our consumers super close to our consumers because our consumers buy directly from us, right? They're not buying your product at Tesco or Carrefour. And so the relationship is split between the brand and Carrefour or Big C or Walmart or Target. They have a direct relationship with teach.com. So, you know, having a phenomenal customer experience is just critical to the game. And so for us, we have customer experience in our customer success side of our business, not in our operation side. Never, it's never been there. Nice. Wow. I love that. <laughs> That's a really good piece of info. Yeah. Cause we're, I think having that focus is just so important. Just to kind of round this off, I think Kelly, thank you so much for sharing all that wonderful, great nuggets of information. Listeners, start writing down more stuff. One of the things that I wanted to ask, and I always ask for our guests this, is if people wanted to know more about, uh, okay, maybe let me rephrase that. If you could share any book or resource that has helped you shape, teach, to the way it is today, what would that one book or resource be? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I read pretty incessantly. I'm reading Psychology of Wealth right now, which is, I highly recommend that book. I don't know if, if, if there's a single resource I would give. I would say the concept of performance over perfection, the concept of execution and the importance of execution, that if anybody's really considering doing something themselves, starting their own business, it's not really about the idea. It's about how well you execute on something. So focusing on, on that concept and, and learning about what it takes to, to actually run good companies and to be good executors is what I would say you should, you should really consider deeply. Okay. And along with that, one final question, and we're, <laughs> we're, we're good. Is there a personal mission statement or are there like certain core values that you live by? Yeah. Right now, I think there's a few things that I, that I really, really focus on. I absolutely love to the core of the concept of creativity. I really like creativity 
you know, the concept of capitalism in general is from kappa, the Latin word uh, meaning, you know, head. And I think creativity really is driven, is driven from the mind. And I really believe in the concept of, of honesty and transparency. I think, you know, they're really core. I mean, during COVID, pre-COVID, this concept of, you know, companies that are honest and, and truthful, with, which goes right into the CX perspective of how you treat your customers. So open, transparent, and honesty. I think it's all about our people, right, and how we treat people inside and outside of the business. We, we need to be good stewards of people and the environment. And then lastly, I think the business buzzword of the last five years has been data, you know, and really focusing on data and focusing on data points that help you make good decisions in your business. Those are the things that I really focus on. Your question's probably a little bit broader. I mean, if, if I ever get to the point where exiting this business or whatever, I, I hope that I'll have changed, you know, the way guys think and be part of the change about the way guys think about skincare and taking care of themselves. I love that. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show. I think that was super wonderful. I'm very, very sure our listeners have a lot to take away from this episode. If you guys have any questions, what would be a really good way to reach out to you? I'm best found on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great place. I do post a few things every couple of weeks, every week or so on LinkedIn. They can reach out to me there. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thanks for your time, Kelly. It's great having you on the show. Thank you. Best of luck for the rest of the week and everything else. Thank you, GQ. Appreciate your time. Good luck to you, sir. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.